We are back at it. Not from my house in Edmond, Oklahoma. I have transported myself to the Porter Mansion, the Porter household. <laughs> we're, we're not in the shed. We're not though. even in the shed. We're, we're in the confines of your actual home instead of the shed because we're watching the Texas Tech versus Oklahoma State basketball game. But I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always, but this time in person with Kyle Porter from Pistols Firing. Kyle, what's up, man? Not much. There's a there's a 50% chance that one of my kids is going to walk in. Okay. Which will be delightful. Um, I'm used to that sometimes. They, they sometimes wander yeah. into the shed. Yeah, they do. Uh, no, I, it, I we thought it would be fun to kind of watch this game live. We thought it would make the game more palatable to watch it live <laughs> and uh, and just kind of chat, chat about our day, chat about this this basketball team and just kind of what's going on in, in Oklahoma State world. There's There's been a lot of news recently. Yeah, we haven't um, talked a lot about the recent news. We'll get to that. Uh, we can talk about the game, and uh, obviously, we just I just fired off a tweet, so people might some send us questions as we're talking as well. But it's kind of a live pod that uh, you'll listen to after the fact. But um, yeah, kind of fun. But no, it's I decided different. to decided to come down and see you. I've been wanting to come play golf for a while, so I I looked at the forecast. And it was going to be in the sixties, sunny. It's like, oh, it's a perfect week week to come visit Kyle and play a little golf and do a live pod and. It was nice when I arrived, but then it turned into Carnoustie. It turned into like cold and windy, and like the most wind I think I've ever played golf in. It was it was awful. The back <laughs> nine was was miserable. I made a ten on a hole, uh, and I still almost won somehow. Yeah, almost won strong. You did lose by three <laughs> you, shots. You got, you and got I, a, I collapsed. I, I went full Ricky at the you end. You got a still little. Win. I was gonna say you got a little fouler down the stretch. Yeah, like uh, I, I almost pulled a. I almost remember when Spieth was collapsing in the Masters. And he turned to Greller and was like, "Are we, are we collapsing here, We're bud?" Collapsing, like, buddy. Yeah. I was talking to my my driver as I was putting him in the bag. Are we collapsing here? But uh, I did win by three. It was, it was a pillow fight, but um, it was it was good to play even though the wind the wind was terrible and the cold was terrible but yeah it, it was a lot of fun it was fun just to get out there uh, i had a big day jump park with the kids yeah uh golf in the afternoon i will say it's surreal to come to your house you know i know you have i know you have three kids i know this coming in but to see it in action is quite a different thing you live a very different life than me being a single bachelor who lives alone. <laughs> it's a very different existence. I will say it's a fantastic existence. I was very moved earlier. You read a bedtime story. Yeah. Uh, you went full dad mode on me. It was great. <laughs> I, I was I was truly moved. It was uh, it was cool to see. I I hear about these things. It's quite another to see it. So it was, it was good to come see you and the, the wife and, and the kids. Yeah, we got some we got some burgers tonight. Hung out with the kids. Did best and worst. Did, yeah. uh, For people who don't know, best and worst, you, you go around the table and you ask yeah. the kids and your wife and, and I guess me, your best moment of the day and your worst moment of the day. Is that yeah, how it yeah. So that's that's how it goes. That's one of a few kind of kind of parlor games that we play at dinner. Uh, one of them we've incorporated into this podcast. One interesting thing. Yeah. We didn't do that tonight, but uh, we sometimes do that. And then I've started just incorporating uh, that into the podcast. So what what was your best and worst today, by the way? Uh, best of the day was, and this never happens. Like Kyle, I'm sure you thought I was like taking lessons of golf before I came down, but I was even par through three holes. And normally I double and, and, and bogey the first two. And I was even through three, which was like, I felt like I had 
mastered the game of golf in a weird way. It was it it was it was remarkable, and I, I will it, say but it was it was decidedly unremarkable. It was truly an out of body experience. I was like Trevor Knight in the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> I don't I don't know what happened. It was that was definitely the best moment for me. Nobody wants to hear about us, like any any more about our golf, golf match game. today. Yeah, it's like hearing about someone's poker game. But cares. your uh, your trage today was. My my uh, my shot tracer was on point. It was awesome. It was the Even best. The I, wind. It was the best I've seen from you for yeah. sure. Well, that's great. not saying much. We usually stink it up at Karsten Creek. My best of the day was was just getting out to play. It was it was a it was a total blast. I don't I don't do that very often. People think that, and I'm sure people do this do this to you as well. But people think, oh, you work in golf, you must play golf all the time. <laughs> it's like, well, dude, I got three kids. I don't play golf for a living. I cover it for <laughs> right. a living. I watch it on TV. <laughs> so I actually play more when I'm when I'm on the road than I do whenever I'm here. Um, just, just because of time. But so yeah, it, it's, it's always fun to have an excuse to get out and, and go play, even though it was kind of a, I mean, the weather was, it was really lousy. It was brutal. Yeah. I mean, it was, we expected it to be windy, but then the clouds rolled in yeah. where there was no sun. So that, that stunk. That was the worst for me. Worst for me was, uh, probably like 16 the wind like felt like it got worse and we were both just like i was sh- i was shaking yeah, yeah we were just shivering coming coming down but we were like too far away from the clubhouse to just quit we had to finish <laughs> by the way uh texas tech's up 33 19 right now three minutes uh, left in the first half it's not great texas 19 points texas tech by the way this is what year three for for bearden for beard so that seems beard Oh, I just worked with so the guy at the uh, producer at Golf Channel last week. His last name was Bearden. Oh, okay. so I, I'm I'm That's yeah all the over the dad place. moment. Yeah, it really was. But uh, he's killing it at Tech. I mean, they're good. Yeah, they they're, are they're good. Fifteenth in the country, and they've even fallen on some hard times recently. And are still fifteenth in the country. What he, are the? Uh, he went to the Elite Eight in his second season. I know. Like, uh, what are the Big Twelve standings right now? I, I OU and OSU are like eight nine. Okay, so we've got. Um, Kansas State is nine and two. Kansas State's nine and two. Kansas State's going to win the league if Kansas doesn't get in gear. Kansas is eight and four with six games left. Iowa State seven and four. Tech seven and four. Baylor seven and four. Then we got Texas at six and six. Is Shaka good? Dude, I called it. You do, did. Do you remember this? You did. Yeah. I was like getting roasted on Twitter when they, and I wasn't saying he was going to be a failure at Texas. I was just saying like, are we sure he's good? Yeah. Like. Every coach at VCU, when they've gotten a bigger job, has failed. Mm-hmm. Jeff Capel, Anthony Grant. VCU might just be like the Houston of football, like the basketball version of Houston football, where it's a good, it's better than the programs around it. Uh, he did go to a Final Four, I will say that. But I had questions, and uh, I think Texas is wishing they hadn't fired Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes is number one in the country at Tennessee. I know. I know that's cr- that's so crazy. It, <clears throat> that's a really interesting comparison, though VCU to to University of Houston in football. Because who who have you had at U of H? You've had uh, you've had Kevin Sumlin, who's Art Bryles before him. Uh, was he the head coach there? Bryles made Houston Bryles was pretty good are. at Baylor, though. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say he was. Well, well, I'm just saying he was the coach before someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you had Bryles, you had someone, you had uh, – I keep thinking like Dana and Kingsbury were head coaches there. I guess Dana is the head coach now. He is now. Uh, uh, Major Applewhite just got fired. Yeah. I don't know. That That's tough. I, I feel like the, the coach I, – I think that the 
football coaches at Houston have gone on to better careers than the basketball coaches at VCU. But all those, to your point, all those guys at VCU, like they were presumed not just stars, but superstars, like, yeah. like future head coaches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you hired Capel. Yeah. And you no, know, use a top 25 program of, of all time. How's he doing it? Uh, how's he doing it? Pitt I think year? he's gotten them better. They were horrible when he took over, but, but I just looked at VCU's got 18 wins already. I mean, it's just what that comparison for me was just, it's a job in which you have inherent advantages and you can win at almost no matter, as long as you're a good coach. I'm not saying those guys were bad coaches. I just, I question whether they could make the jump to a D one job. And Oklahoma, Shaka's not. So Oklahoma far. state just gave up uh, another three. Do you know, Carson, can you guess what their three point percentage, three point field goal percentage defense is this year? nationally like what they're ranked uh well since you're bringing it up i would guess 93 192 wow there's that many teams <laughs> no, there's, there's 350 teams yeah i know that's bad it's not good well, they and have 23 points here it's 26 seconds left in the first half they're down 44 to 23 i mean text nine <laughs> text nine for 14 from three and oklahoma state's two for ten <laughs> I mean, it's just. Hey, Lindy's leading the league and uh, leading the country in free throw percentage. So, oh, so there's that. Get him to the line. I mean, I, I'm with uh, Marshall. Chris Jones just firing. Mar- <laughs> yeah, big shocker there. Uh, Marshall Scott wrote this a couple weeks ago. He's like, I mean, he basically said Lindy and uh, Crime Dog need to shoot like 25 times a game. Just go full like Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, like the third season in Oklahoma City. When I mean, they were young what, and- what's your alternative? Well, you're not letting the walk-on shoot, so no, I, I agree with that. I mean, Marshall's Marshall's covered the team as hard as anybody, and he would know. So yeah, I, I thought, agree with him. But I thought that was a good this, take. Isn't this sad? I mean, it's it's a, it's a Wednesday night. Gallagher is empty, and they have 23 points at halftime, and they have six scholarship players. I mean, this is, I mean, OSU basketball has been bad for large stretches of their history. This has got to be a low point, does it not? Yeah, one, one of the lowest. Yeah, and I, I, I thought coming in it would be a, it would be a bad year. That was kind of my call at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And then I started wa- wavering on it. You started trying to talk me out of it. Other people trying to try, started talking me out of it, and it's been worse than I thought. I mean, it really has. Well, but you have to preface it with they kicked half the team off the rock. Like you do that to any team, any team across the country. How many people? How many players have they lost? Three, four. Well, are we including Trey Reeves as a scholarship player? No, we're not including him. I mean, I like Trey Reeves, but he's not a scholarship hey, player. Hey, are you interested in watching The Boardroom with Kevin Durant streaming live on ESPN Plus? Oh, I thought he didn't want to talk to the media. I he's, thought he he's just cr- wanted to play basketball. He's creating his own deal, apparently. Oh, I thought he just wanted to play are you basketball. Gonna, are you going to watch that or no? Probably not. It's on ESPN Plus. I don't have that. <laughs> we ha- we have an, PFB has an account. You can use it. No, uh, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> Did you like that? How he? I love you. He, he signed three one-year deals, and he's getting upset. People are asking about his free agency. Yeah, it's pretty weak. Like you created that entire situation. He, and you're he, complaining about it. He makes it. He makes it difficult to defend him. Yeah, you think? What's your? Uh, by the way, we're watching the halftime show with who? Do, who are these guys? Who is that? 
That looks like he like looks like Steph. Fake Steph Curry. <laughs> Steph stand in. Um, I've seen this guy before. I forgot his name. That's um, Sean Farnham. Sean Farnham. Okay, yeah, he does a good job. What? What's the other guy does a good job too? I can't remember his name though. He does look like Steph Curry. He he looks like fake Steph. He looks like if if somebody had to play Steph in a movie, it's yeah. this cat. Yeah. Well, give me give me your breakdown on um, like what what's the theory behind what you do with your hair on television? I ran into this last week. How, oh, yeah. how do you, how do you you're on golf golf channel man? How do you figure you out? Tell me, you're the one on network TV. How do you on local TV? Well, how do you figure out what to do with it? Like, what, how do you make your decisions? When do you get a haircut? All that stuff. Yeah, like I went through a big you know phase or like turn crisis turn. No, it wasn't a crisis. It was just a stylistic change. Uh, just a couple years ago, in fact, I used to do kind of the short, kind of spiky look. I'm trying yeah. to compare it to somebody, uh, like Herb Street. Yeah, like it was like I had the Herbie going. Yeah, and I decided to go with the part on the side a little longer, and I, I made the big switch. And no one consulted me. No one told me anything. <laughs> I just went with it. And then my my boss stopped me in the hallway. And she said she liked it, said she approved. So I've kept it ever since. There you so go. Okay. Sometimes you just got to just try take stuff. a chance. Yeah, you just got to try Take a chance stuff. and see if it works. Um, you've seen that with some people have made it their calling card, like Mel Kuyper, Barry Melrose, rocking the mullet. Yeah. Mike Gundy has turned it into a career. Yeah. Um, so, no, you just got to gotta go with what looks good to you. And consulting your wife never hurts. Women, yeah. women have good taste. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. That's true. She, that's, she, before you leave the house, she should always ask the wife, "Does this look okay?" Before I go to the shed. Yeah, I did ask her. We were going. We we're getting ready for church on Sunday morning after I got back, and I had I had hair and makeup all week at Golf Channel. Oh, you had people working on you. And I said, uh, "Are you gonna do my makeup before church this morning?" And she had some choice <laughs> words to say to that. Uh, yeah. See, no one's ever given me a lesson on makeup either. I had to kind of teach myself. Yeah, it's interesting. And it feels. Uh, I just throw some powder on. I think it, like it works, obviously, but like the feeling after the show, you feel you feel gross. Yeah. Like it feels off. You can't wait to take it off. Yeah. It. Just, I don't know how women do it every I, day. I, I I don't either. Um. Okay. This podcast is devolved into makeup talk. I don't know how we got here, but uh, do you want to talk about uh, Oklahoma State's most recent coaching hire? Yeah, let's do Charlie Dickey. Charlie Dickey, new I offensive mean, line coach, comes from Kansas State. Kind of an older guy. He's been in coaching for, I think, 35, 40 years. Um, so he's kind of a lifer. He's got a um, he's got more of a Joe Wickline feel in, in terms of age and just kind of his mentality and the way he thinks about things. Not a not an elite recruiter. Uh, Kyle Boone went, kind of went through his recruiting history at Kansas State. I, I think there's some – you kind of – you kind of have to um, – way in the fact that he was at Kansas State. So I don't know if anybody has ever been considered an elite recruiter there. But just what are your initial thoughts on, on OSU hiring him? Yeah, like to me, the first thing that sticks out, obviously, is Kansas State's usually pretty good on the offensive line, especially this past year. They had yeah. probably the best in the Big 12. They had Dalton Reisner, who's going to be a first-round pick. That's crazy. Is he really going to be a first-round pick? I think pick? so. I mean, he's pretty highly regarded. Um, I don't know if he might be second-round. If you're a second-round pick, you're an unbelievable football player. So yeah. that's what sticks out to me initially is that Kansas State's pretty much always good on the offensive line. It's usually a strength. It's clear to me Mike Gundy had him circled as a guy he wanted. You know, Gundy had that tweet where he said, I've always wanted to hire this guy, but he loved Bill Snyder, which we can talk about that in a second. But the thing that stuck out most, Kyle, is how quickly this came together. 
mean, Josh Henson had just left town like a day or two before, and boom, this guy's hired. That tells me that, one, Mike Gundy knew Josh Henson was leaving, mm-hmm. and two, that um, he probably already had some prior connect prior talks with with Dickey coming in so great yeah. hire great hire is my first overall take it was uh it was certainly felt like the opposite of we're watching rick barnes tennessee number highlights right now texas regrets that jeez number one in the country 23 and 1 11 and 0 in the sec oh. uh it was the opposite of the offensive coordinator hire sean gleason took like what month and a half yep maybe not that long a month and this took like a day. And, I mean, Dicky's way more established. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and maybe Gundy just had him circled, but it did the the speed with which it happened and the way that it happened on Twitter. It's it the whole thing made it feel like it, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if more to the story is the right word, but it just felt like there was kind of more going on there. Absolutely. I mean. Obviously, the, the the major dot to connect here is Josh Henson did not get the offensive coordinator position. I mean, it was almost a week after yeah. that he decided to go after they hired Gleason. I mean, to me, that's not a coincidence. I do wonder what you know. We were we were ta- we talked a lot about disrupting continuity by bringing in an outsider like that, but I do think it's incumbent on Gundy to hire who he thinks is going to be the best offensive coordinator. And clearly, I think he values what I do in that I want my offensive coordinator to also be the quarterback's coach. So I think that was a big concern for him with Casey Dunn and Josh Henson being the offensive coordinators. They have a whole position group to coach. I think he likes the quarterback coach to be the OC. And Gundy even said this himself, and I I tend to agree a little bit, that he wanted kind of some new ideas, new voice. Yeah. When you lose Yersich, you lose kind of his – he put his own spin on things there the last few years. So I think – you can make an argument. I'm not saying I agree with it that they've upgraded at both spots. Wow. Now, I won't say both that they've upgraded as a whole. When you factor in how established Dickey is and how innovative Gleason is. I'm well, not it, saying I <laughs> I subscribe to that theory, but I will say that Mike Gundy made two on the surface good hires in my opinion. And it, and it makes sense, right? Like so what was Josh Henson, what was his calling card? Recruiting. Recruiting. What does Gundy not care about? Recruiting. Yeah. And so you bring in somebody like Charlie Dickey, who, like I said, more like Wickline is a, is a developer, is a um, – he's somebody I think that Evan Epstein would be fired up about playing college football for. And I think that – I think that matters to Gundy. I really do. And so, you, so I, I just – I think he values that kind of development side more than he does having – and and I not that he I don't think he like forced Henson out or anything like that. I'm just saying I, I think that he would probably agree with you that he feels like this is overall an upgrade, even though I don't think it'll lead to getting uh, as good of recruits as Josh Henson. Josh Henson was like the best recruiter, <laughs> uh, best position recruiter Oklahoma State had besides Casey Dunn. Yeah, so I, they they I could end say, up losing the two best recruiters that they had from a position standpoint. I will say like. Yes, Josh Henson was a very good recruiter. I will say it's a little overblown how good of a recruiter he was just because of how bad the offensive line recruiting had been before him. Like yeah. he was it wasn't like he was reeling in a bunch of four and five star guys. Yeah. He's willing in a bunch of 
bunch of big old burly country dudes that look like they could play a little bit. And I think he definitely upgraded the position. I don't mean to discredit that. It's not like he was Marcus Arroyo of O-line coaches. It's not like he was pulling in a bunch of five-star guys. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Evan Epstein. He tweeted, step in the right direction once there he you learned go. the hire. I didn't see that. Yeah, so he um, he obviously thinks Dickey's a, a great hire. Yeah. And Epstein was a very, very, very loyal Joe Wickline guy. Yeah. So that, that tells you that I think your comparison to, to Joe Wickline there is pretty apt if, if Evan's signing off on this guy as well. So And I, I think you make a good point about Mike Gundy and recruiting. It's clear to me he's kind of modeling his program after Bill Snyder. Bill Snyder never got top-level recruiting classes, and taking Bill Snyder's longtime offensive line coach makes a lot of sense. If you're not going to reel in you know, top 10, top 15 type classes, get guys that you know can coach and get results without that. Yeah. So I, in all, in all that being said, I think Mike Gundy has made two very good hires. Gleason, we'll have to see. It's exciting on the surface. That so remains he, to be seen, but I think Dickey's a sure thing. If you were given the choice between, wow, the Nets and Cavs just went to triple overtime. Ooh. We should turn it over to that. You don't want to watch the Cavs play basketball. <laughs> if you were given the option, like just in a vacuum, if you could have Josh Henson or Charlie Dickey as your offensive line coach, like if I said go start a team, you have to choose an offensive line coach between one of these two guys, you would take Dickey? Oh, if you put it like that, I mean – Am I the am I at off, am I at Oklahoma State? Uh, I think being an alum kind of matters at a place like Oklahoma State. And it, that's sort of the weird part from the Henson standpoint, right? Yeah, Is like how much. So he told Robert Allen had a report that said like basically I I got paid a lot more money. You paid like one hundred and seventy five grand more. Is that is it was that the number? That was the number I read from Robert. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a lot. Basically around two hundred grand. Yeah, that's not insignificant. That's life changing. Yeah. Money. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I, I don't – yeah, if it was that much, then me, I, the I don't – the potential, Henson's younger, better recruiter, and obviously is a, a graduate. That, to me, makes a lot – But Henson fits the A&M mold too, right? Like, what's Jimbo about? Recruiting. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so – And they go, coach together at LSU. Yeah. So I think I think that actually made a lot of sense for both A&M and for, for Henson. Yeah. I mean, you can't fault Josh. I mean – if someone's going to pay me $175,000 more to do the same job, yeah, I have to consider it no matter if I have, if you prick my finger and orange blood comes pouring out, <laughs> I'm still, who, I still might take the 200. I probably will take the 200. Grand. Who do you think is the most likely that if you prick their finger, orange blood comes flowing out? Orange to the bone? Just, just of any, any human, anybody, you know, anybody I know. I was trying to think of OSU figures. I was going to say Robert Allen. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I was going to say. Uh, probably Mike Holder. Yeah. I think Mike Holder is actually my answer. No, no disrespect to Robert. I'll probably say Mike Holder. That's a, that's that's the a guy good wears answer. orange cowboy boots. Yeah. It doesn't get much more orange than that. Yeah, that that's a good answer. I can't. Probably probably Mike Holder. Uh, Larry Reese. Yeah. Is, is high on the list. I love Larry. I tweeted out a couple weeks ago. And this is a tangent, but. I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do the day that I go to Gallagher Ive Arena and Larry's not on the mic. Isn't his voice synonymous with Gallagher Iba? Like I don't, because my dad took me to games when I was very, very young, 
And Larry was still the guy. They yeah. hired Larry when he was like in his twenties mm-hmm. to be the PA guy. He's like the he, as Jim Nance is to the Masters, Larry Reese is to Gallagher. Yeah, and it's it was meant to be. And I don't. I tweeted, I don't want to live in a world where where Larry's not on the mic, and he's like, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I won't. Because I'm gonna do it as long as I can. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But uh, but no. Anyway, Larry, Larry's probably my answer. I'm gonna actually. cast a vote for Walt Garrison. Well, he's. Like we do a number <laughs> countdown when the kickoff days are getting here, and Walt's thirty-two. Well, well, he's thirty-two. He I, was 32. Thinking he, I was thinking he was thirty-four. I guess Thurman was thirty-four. He wore thirty-two, and can you get more cowboy than he's a real-life cowboy, like an actual rodeo cowboy? <laughs> Played for the OSU Cowboys and the Dallas Cowboys. That's orange to the bone. <laughs> do you, <laughs> what are the odds that would Vegas give you any kind of odds that Walt Garrison chooses tobacco? No, he. he that's off the board. I yeah. Mean, that's, it's like, does, does he breathe oxygen? It's like one to, does he breathe it's, oxygen? it's like, yeah, it's like minus f- 1 million. Oh, it's, it's off the board. <laughs> uh, this podcast is totally derailed. <laughs> Back to the coaching staff. Are we worried about Casey Dunn still? Did, did Oregon hire a guy? Uh, I think Oregon hired somebody. Did they? That up. Yeah. But, but I, I did warn you that I was a little worried about upheaval whenever they were, talking about hiring someone else for offense coordinator second half's about to start by the way i mean it, it makes sense like why if if you're casey dunn and josh henson you'll never have a better chance at oklahoma state to become the head coach so if, if it's or not to become the head coach uh, to be, oregon hired uh somebody named jovan book from where uh joe i'm totally butchering that name texas tech he spent the past ten years at Utah State, so he was joining. Oh, so he he was coming with Matt Wells to oh, Lubbock, wow. and they they pulled him away. That was the move that uh, that Dustin Ragusa wanted OSU to make with uh, who's the offensive coordinator that looks like Yost, yeah. David Yost. Yeah, he's got the wild hair. He looks like Harry from Dumb and yeah, Dumber. Yeah, uh, I didn't mean uh, Casey Dunn. That there's never going to be a better opportunity for him to become a head coach. I meant better opportunity to become an offensive coordinator and, and potentially lead to a head coaching job. Hey, there's Sean Sutton. I tell you what, it's no coincidence Texas Tech got very good. Hiring Chris Beard obviously was a great hire, but I think Sean Sutton's a heck of an assistant coach. Yeah, he's great. He's he, obviously cleaned up his life. He, he looks great. He looks in way better condition than he yeah, ever did at Oklahoma State. For sure. And there was an article, I think, in the Oklahoman last year where Chris Beard gave Sean Sutton, like, an effusive amount of credit well, for he, his success. Yeah, and he's just he's been through I mean, he he's he knows what success in the Big 12 looks like, right? Mm-hmm. And and so if you're Good recruiter. if you're Chris Beard and you're coming in saying, "Okay, what what is all this? I I think I know what it looks like. What does it actually look like?" I I think there's just I think well, somebody Beard, Beard was on Bob Knight's staff at Tech. He he knows he's seen it firsthand. Yeah, Bob Knight had some really good Texas Tech teams. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just, just couldn't beat OSU because OSU was so good back then. Tech can't beat OSU in anything. Well, like, they might win tonight, they except for twenty, except for football and basketball <laughs> this year. Yeah, uh, but no. Back to my point about Casey Dunn. I think it makes sense that he that he would leave because if you're looking at this from his perspective, it's like okay. If I don't, if I'm not getting the offensive coordinator job this year, then what what are we doing? What am I doing? Where, where's all this going? Like how many Blitnikoffs do I have to win? Yeah, to where I'm not going to be the receivers coach at Oklahoma State. And so it makes sense that you would at least explore uh, some of your other options. Well, um, I think it was telling his name came up with Oregon, whether that was real or not. Arroyo? If it was real, obviously he's a candidate. Arroyo. Arroyo probably referenced him. 
or maybe his agent's putting him out there to try and see what else is out there. I mean, you can't blame the guy. But um, Oklahoma State's down 49-23, to 23 and Tech is going to the line to shoot free throws. This might be the low point. You think so? This the entire, is, this, since you and I have been following OSU basketball? This is really bad. Yeah. Glenn Cyprian's on the staff for Texas Tech, too. Remember Sip? Yeah. He was doing the dancing when they were going to the Final Four. So, like, Texas Tech looks a lot like Oklahoma State used to look like. Circa, circa 2004, yeah, 2005. Like 05 OSU were watching. Um, this is a low point, but I, I do think that, look, we all like Mike Boynton. He's recruited admirably well, better than we probably thought he would when he got the job. Absolutely better than we thought he would. Um, but this is this is bad, and he had to kick off guys that he recruited. So like it's a it's a hard discussion to have, right? I mean, he did good things last year. I thought he coached them very well. He he's good with X's and O's. He drew up some great plays. He, he showed more potential his first year than I thought Travis Ford ever did. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he's fifth, he's 30 and 30, he's 500 since taking the job. So next year's a big year for him. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to get fired if they miss the tournament next year by any means, but you better see a lot of improvement and reason for optimism. Did you see my post about, uh, Isaiah Todd, if they get him, <laughs> I, I saw your comments about it in Slack. I didn't read your story. What was it? Gist of it. Well, so there's this guy named Isaiah Todd. who's like a top. 15 recruit in the 2020 class right now, but he's 15. He, yeah, he's number 12 in the country. Uh, and he, uh, so he's thinking about reclassifying into 2019 and Oklahoma state, Kentucky, Kansas, and I don't know, two other schools are kind of like at the top of in, in, in terms of kind of the hottest on him right now. And my point was like, I mean, obviously anybody in the country would take him, but it's sort of a, it could be a perfect storm for Oklahoma state, which all of a sudden has all these open slots for somebody in 2019. Who's thinking about late in the cycle reclassifying into that class. And if you get him all of a sudden you jump up to, I think the number seven recruiting class in the country, which would be just behind Duke and just ahead of Kentucky as it stands right now. Then we can start talking because I think, I think we've been the way that we've been talking about this 2019 class is like, Oh, they're the saviors they're the saviors and they're good. Marcus Watson is good. Caleb Boone is good. They're all going to be 18 years old. Avery Anderson is good. But what does that mean for 2019, 2020? I, I don't know. But all of a sudden, if you get this guy, who's going to be an NBA draft pick, who's going to play professionally, He's 610, then you can start talking. He's 610, 610. Oh my goodness! So the the lineup that I threw out there, the dream lineup for me, uh, likely at the one, Marcus Watson at the two, Cam McGriff at the three, Caleb Boone at the four. Caleb Boone's like six nine. Love it. Isaiah Todd at the at the five. I mean that's that's like a a rich man's version of like those elite eight Baylor teams, just length everywhere. Yeah. I t- I asked. Uh, I I said in Slack, what would we do if this happened? And Ragusa said, I would, I would scream cry (laughs) (laughs) or I would cry scream. I don't know how he said it, but it was hilarious. Um, so that's my, that's my new wish list for 2019. To me, that's even if they don't get Todd, I, I, what you're laying out here is the reason for optimism with Mike Boynton. Like, 
he's recruiting at an incredibly high level to where you just give him time and let him keep recruiting multiple cycles of classes like this. But if you get this Todd guy that you mentioned, that, that would be a game changer. And we, w- we would look back at this season and just kind of view that as an anomaly. Okay. These three kids, these three kids you had to kick off, did something stupid that happens when you coach college basketball. But uh, how, what does Boone say the odds are of landing this? Do they have a legit shot? I mean, you mentioned like the bluest of the blue bloods are also recruiting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's certainly a pipe dream, but, but so was so some of these other, some guys, of these other are, guys are pipe dreams as well. I guess well. Watson was related to Boynton, though. That's different. Um, so 247 has Crystal Ball, North Carolina 50%, Kansas 25%, NC State 25%. Yeah. So it's a but, long shot. But they also have his sort of interest level that Oklahoma State, Maryland, Kansas, UNC, Virginia, and Virginia Tech are kind of at the top of that. Mm. So they're – I don't think they're, like, not in it. Yeah. Would I be surprised if they got him? Yes. Would it be amazing if they got him? Yes. I wouldn't rule him out. I mean, Mike Boynton has pulled off some pretty impressive recruiting coups. This would be far. this would be an all an all timer. And if you're Mike Boynton, the, the sales pitch is clearly you are going to start and get the ball from day one. If you go to Duke, Kentucky, Carolina, there's seven, eight more guys just like you yeah. that we already recruited. Yeah. So you can earn your spot. Yeah. Now you want to be the starter and savior. Come come play with me. Play with us. It'd be pretty awesome. Uh, I want to talk about Matthew Wolf here in a minute. It's fifty-two twenty-three tech, by the way. <laughs> can I can I read an excerpt from your your Isaiah Todd thing that I loved? Comparisons for Todd have him as a more advanced Chris Bosh, also known as Kevin Durant. I need to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> every time How I fun would that be? Every time I I hear a comparison like that, and I I think about using a GIF. I think about the Oakland Raiders fan one. Did you ever see that one? I don't think so. Where they where the two guys carry carry the guy that passed out off out of the stands. Oh, uh, yeah. I think that was a Raiders game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh. Oh, this game is. I think so of the Will Smith fainting as Fresh Prince gif. This game is so bad. That might not have been a Raiders game. Might not have been. Um, okay, I want to talk about Matthew Wolf. Let's hear from our sponsor. Chris, down by thirty. Chris's <laughs> yes, Chris's University Spirit. Let's get to this week's OSU schedule. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We're a little bit late in getting to our podcast this week, so. We'll go backwards a day. Women's basketball lost to Texas on Tuesday night. Men's basketball obviously is playing tonight at home against Tech. And then we got uh, we got some softball this week. Softball's in Florida. They're playing LSU on Thursday, Notre Dame on Friday, Utah on Friday. Baseball gets going on Friday. They've got UT Rio Grande Valley. And then uh, they actually play against them, I believe, all weekend. Yeah, all weekend. Softball has Cal and Hofstra. Softball plays like three games a day. Really? It's crazy. They play so much. They play like these tournaments, and and somehow they end the weekend like seven and one. Like I thought you only played for like three days. Um, Windy there as it was here. Yeah, (laughs) probably. So women's basketball at Iowa State on Saturday. Men's basketball at Texas on Saturday, and I think that's it. I think that's all we got. Men, or that's all we got. Men, Can't believe they play baseball and softball in February. Men's golf uh, is starts next Tuesday. Are they playing or next pa- Monday. Palm Springs. 
Yeah, the uh, Prestige at PGA West in Palm Desert. So, speaking of golf, it's a good transition. Matthew Wolf will be going for his fifth consecutive win next week in Palm Springs. Five in a row. If he if he wins at all again the rest of the season, he will hold the all time single season wins record at Oklahoma State. At Oklahoma State, not of NCAA. Not consecutive wins. Not wins for a sophomore. Not consecutive Someone ones won for more a than five straight? Huh? Someone won more than five straight in NCAA golf? Yeah, I think so. Jeez. But it seems difficult. Well, what I what I'm saying what I'm saying is that he will just hold the record for all-time wins in a single season for, for an OSU. OSU golfer. That's crazy. Uh, we all know OSU's tradition in golf. That's crazy talk. Scott Verplank had four in a year, Charles Howe had four in a year, Wolf has four. In a, so he he's tied the all-time single season mark. Yeah, and it, it's February thirteenth, and it's you know you and I talk about him a lot, and obviously we've discussed his professional potential on here, but he's entered. Like, just think about this time last year. I was talking about him as like the gregarious guy on the Driven Show, who was known to like be the longest driver of the ball. It's basically all I knew. Now he's entering a realm where he's going to have a case as the best OSU golfer of all time. Think yeah. about the names that have come through OSU. That's not, doesn't that sound crazy to say that out loud? It's a mouthful. You think about the professionals that have come through Oklahoma State. I mean, just Ricky Fowler off off the top. What he's done at the PGA level has been pretty exceptional. And you go to, obviously, Scott Verplank, Bob Tway's won a major on down the line. I mean, what this guy... Hunter Mahan. Hunter Mahan. He was a, he was a great prospect. Charles Howell was as good of a college golfer as you'll ever see. Casey Wittenberg. Yeah. Didn't Charles set the record? His career average was in the 60s. Yeah, so he's like the that. only. I think. I think it was him. He's. The, there's only been one golfer that's ever averaged below 70 for a season, scoring average, and I think it was Charles Howe at like 69 and a half. Matthew Wolf's at like 67 and a half right now. 67 and a half. Well, average. That's his average. It's crazy, and and clearly to me, he is totally not flipped a switch, but like his ceiling has been lifted to it's been, there is no ceiling anymore. (laughs) Like he went from promising freshman who came on late at the end of the year to win the Mickelson award. He wasn't the prohibitive favorite to win the Mickelson last year. He didn't, he didn't win. I mean, he didn't win a tournament. He didn't win a single tournament. Yeah. Now he's won four in a row and he's going for five that it's, it's amazing how far he's risen just in the past six to eight months it's been crazy to see and that the performance he had at the pga event that he played in was astonishing and i actually know a guy that actually gets to go play with them in palm springs this next week really yeah i told him to like just stay out of wolf's way just don't yeah. don't get in his head don't don't do anything stupid don't he's, on, he's on a roll right now <laughs> it wasn't you said he was tweeting about the uh, u.s or not the u.s but the world amateur rankings is that right yeah i think so let's look those up somebody um World Amateur Golf Rankings. Matthew Wolf is number three in the world. Yeah. After record-setting week, he's improved to number three. Victor, How is he not Vic, one? Victor Hovland's number four. Wow. <laughs> this, we're not talking about NCAAs here. We're talking about the best amateur golfers on the planet. So there's people from Japan. There's people from the Australia, the UK. I mean, this is not just like NCAA golf. This is – and this takes into account – more than just college events. So you've got 
your college rankings in which Hoplin and Wolf are one, two, and then this is amateur ranking. So like if you play in the USAM, that doesn't count towards the college golf rankings that golf mm-hmm. league does, but it does count towards these, these, uh, amateur rankings. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty incredible. Um, what Wolf has done in just a year and a half of college. Enjoy it by the well, way. Yeah, Cause it's, it's about to, year, it's about to be over for sure. But I mean, obviously, Alan Bratton picked Hovland first in all of the events because obviously Hovland was his top golfer last well, year, but, but also he, he was an upperclassman. Yeah, he was older. I, I think that had a lot do to do Do you think he'll it. pick Wolf first now instead of Hovland? Or will mm. we just keep it same as? You mean in terms of like the match, when they play the match? When they play? get to NCAAs and it's, it's time to win, who's he pick first? Like to go out first? Yeah. I don't think that matters as much as maybe it seems like it matters. It, it felt important to me. I don't know. That was my first time covering something like that. Um, to me, it's a statement of intent. This is my best guy. I don't care who you pick first. This guy's going to win. I do think that had to do with, with Wolf being a freshman. Like, I could see him switching it and going Wolf, like letting Wolf go out first. And, and we're saying all this, Hovland won the U.S. Amateur. <laughs> at Pebble. And we're, like, demanding that Wolf get picked first at Pebble. Yeah. <laughs> Victor Hovland's going to be in the Masters this year. Yeah. And the U.S. Open. The um, so no, I mean, OSU golf, it's, it, it's looking more and more like it would take a monumental upset for them not to win another national championship. I mean, now, it, match play is made for upsets. Yeah. On a it, given day, they could absolutely lose. Oklahoma but, state hasn't scored in the second half, by the way, it's 39 to 23. No, it's excuse me. 59 to 23. They're down 36. The worst home loss ever was thirty four. So, so on pace for the worst home loss. Should ever. we just should we just live pod the rest? Of I mean, I think we have to. <laughs> we this is the the ending of OSU basketball as we know it. And it's <laughs> happening live on the air. I mean, they, they narrowly avoided the worst loss ever to Kansas State. They were down yeah. thirty six at one point. Yeah, I saw that. Um, but no, this is. This is bad. This is really, really, really bad. I feel bad for guys like Isaac Likely, who is a true freshman, and he's and he looks your, around. None of his his freshman class is there with him. Hardly your, your boy, your your and A's, and they're fighting. I like him. Yeah, I like him. I like him too. I've come around on him. I don't know if we can pod for another fourteen and a half minutes. No, of college basketball. I don't. Not this. Not this college basketball. No. Uh, any final golf or, or wolf takes? Well. What what are what are the big milestones coming up? I mean, obviously they're playing in Palm Springs this week, but like, when is the like when does their season really ramp up? Well, I think you, I think you start to look at like Big Twelves in I think that's in April. Okay, and then so you've got late in, spring. Then you've got NCAA regionals, which is it's sort of a foregone conclusion for somebody like Oklahoma State. That'd be like like if they lose in in regionals and don't make it to the final thirty. That's that's almost like a sixteen beating a, a number one seed in the NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah, like that's I'm not worried about that. Like to me it's reached the point where, you know, college golf is not something that's a spectator sport really it is in, for me. Really until the NCAA tournament. Yeah. No, that's I mean, fair. But we're talking about Matthew Wolf right now. Like, do you think like I think there's a legitimate chance of course, the problem with the college golf, they don't play at home ever, right? They're always traveling. Yeah. Like, I think if they were to play at Carson Creek, they would actually get some fans out there to watch Wolf and, and Yeah, for and sure. Hovland. He's he's going to win what's called the Fred Haskins Award, which is basically the Heisman for college golf. And Oklahoma State's had, I think, seven total winners 
which is kind of remarkable. It's like, it's like uh, seven Heisman's. Yeah, it's like seven Heisman's. Like, oh, you have seven Heisman's. They had Verplank. They had um, Hunter Mayhan won it. Uh, I think Hal won it. So they've had they've had a ton of guys that that have won this award, and and he is almost certainly going to win it this year. And and I think Carson. I think the really interesting part. I think we've talked about what Andy Johnson has said about him. Um, Andy Johnson, fried egg, one of my friends. Pablo Martin also won it. Yeah, Pablo Martin, there you go. Um, but Andy has talked about him as, like, the best college golf prospect since Tiger. Like, not 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 being facetious, not hyperbole, not joking, like, legitimately the best. Like, I, I think people don't understand that he's a better – as of right now, I'm not saying he's going to have a better career because Ricky Fowler's had a great career. He's a better prospect coming out of college than Ricky Fowler was. Which is crazy. It's, it is crazy. Because he wasn't viewed that way last year, was he? I mean, I know you're a freshman. You don't know how guys will adjust to college. But to me, this has been like a a rapid ascent. Basically, the, it was a star-making performance at the NCAAs at Karsten Creek. And since then, he's just been on a tear. I mean, he's been just killing people. Well, I, I think the, in the 60s. Yeah, I think the difference this year is he's winning. So last year he didn't win. He played well. And you're like – I think if you dug deep into the numbers, you're like, yeah, wow, this kid's pretty good. But he didn't win. And so now that he's winning, you're like, whoa, wait a second. How, how, where's this going to go? How good is he going to be? Yeah. I mean, well, obviously this is his last year. Hovland's probably going to turn pro as well. But for, for Matthew Wolf, he's going to be, in my opinion, more marketable than Ricky Fowler. No. Fowler's got like 28 sponsors. Why is – but hold on. Why is Fowler marketable? Because he dressed funny? I don't – He's I, young. He was young. He's 30 now. He wears orange? I, I don't know. Like, to me, he – that's one thing I'm interested too. Is is he going to rep OSU as hard as Ricky does? Uh, I, I don't know. R- Ricky reps it hard. Yeah, yeah. By wearing orange on Sunday, that's a big – but how much of that was repping OSU and how much of it just became part of, like, his shtick? Well, I mean, he still has an OSU logo on his bag. Like, he wears orange for that reason. Yeah. I think it started out as a shout-out and just kind of became his calling card. I mean, he wore like he looked like a traffic cone. He was wearing orange from head to toe. <laughs> so you think Wolf is going to be more marketable? He's certainly a more dynamic. He's certainly per- more exciting to watch yeah. play golf. And he's more dynamic as a, as a he's personality. way more dynamic personality-wise. You just said he was a better prospect. Yeah. I think he's going to win more eventually. Um, I Kyle, I, I don't say this lightly. I think he's going to make $100 million, like, soon. <laughs> like, I used to joke, like, the frat bros at the fraternity house, that he, I guess he's a, he's a Fiji at OSU. Like, I would be, if I was one of his pledge brothers, I would be, like, taking him out to Murphy's one night and, like, slipping him a contract to sign like i'm your manager from now on we need it we need to just start like a we need to get him to like co-host a podcast with us so that when he's super famous we're we're in he just funds the podcast <laughs> i'm not joking like i would be his i would be his like you're you never watch the show entourage but no. I, would, I would be his turtle right now <laughs> i was one of his fiji brothers because that guy is going to make so much money playing golf i'm looking at the fred haskins award oklahoma state's won seven of them so pablo martin uh hunter mayhan charles howell uh scott verplank 
Willie Wood, Bob Tway, Wendy Miller. How about Ben Crenshaw winning it three years in a row? 71, 72, 73. Him and Phil. And then Phil winning it three years in a row, 90, 91, 92. <laughs> Tiger only won it once because he was only in college for two years. And – or maybe he was in college for three. Like, why did Ty- – like, I guess – he went there for two years. Like, why even go to college if you're only going to be there for two years? I guess just for the experience. Yeah, and the, the like path, the guy, especially for a guy like Tiger, like he could have gone pro if he wanted to. Well, the path of the PGA Tour was different back then too. It wasn't as like he had to go to Q school. There was a lot of different. There was just mm. more stuff involved. Uh, and now he would have just gotten basically unlimited sponsor exemptions and basically qualified to to be on the PGA Tour, but. Okay, it's 62 to 27. Oh, my gosh. Um, we have some questions. This is about to be a 40. Yeah, I want to get to questions. Let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. It will come back, and uh, hopefully this game will be close to being over, and we'll answer some questions. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Uh, hit me with some of, some of our questions. I, I saw we got some sarcastic ones. Yeah. Hopefully, some some good ones as well. I'm, so this is from James Thompson. I'm 46. Will I live long enough to see winning basketball at Oklahoma State again? Yikes, that's dark. Um. Yes, you will. Um. I think it'll be next year. Will uh? Okay, here's a question. Here's sort of a follow up to that. Five years from now, so 20. Uh, what year are we? 2024. Ryder Cup year. I'll have eleven kids by then. We'll be playing. We'll we'll still be shooting in the nineties at Cheryl Park. You're here on a on a trip. Hopefully, it'll be less windy then. Is it more likely that Mike Boynton is the head is a head coach at Oklahoma State or Mike Gundy? Twenty twenty four. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be Gundy, right? I'd say Gundy, but. But there's a world in which the world I'm thinking of is Gundy just retiring and riding off into the sunset before Boynton either is fired or takes another job. Yeah. Um, so I'll say Gundy. I'm pretty confident with that answer. Actually, yeah. When yeah. I think about it, it, it it's hard. I to, think Gundy likes likes to say he's going to quit, but I think he would go crazy if he quit. Well, that's the thing we saw with Stoops this week, right? Like, what do you what are you going to do? Yeah. I was talking to Robert Dameron, who was a PGA Tour player. He's on Morning Drive now with Golf Channel. And he's like, look, I retired, quote unquote, at 42. And I went home and was like, what am I doing? Like, you just, I mean, you don't do anything. He's like, that you want to work. You want to, like, do something that is productive. And <laughs> it, I don't think it's really about money for most of these guys. It's just about doing good work, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I think you're right about, I think Gundy might, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he'll get into, like, competitive farming or something. Well, and Gundy too, especially peacock, peacock showing <laughs> professional goat ranching, but especially for a guy like Gundy, like he was a college coach full time 
before he was even out of college. Like he was a GA for Pat Jones. Like the second he was, his eligibility was up. So it's all he's ever known. It's like Kellen Moore. <laughs> yeah, I mean Kellen Sampson even, um, just a coach through through and through. So I think he would miss much like Bob. Just miss being in that environment, part of a team, having a goal each year. I think, I think Gundy likes to talk a lot about retiring young. I, I don't, I don't. The more I think about it, he might. I don't think he's going to coach like he's Bill Snyder until in his eighties. No. But <clears throat> the fact that the I don't idea think, that he's going to quit anybody in the next year that. or two, I think, is a little crazy. Yeah, I don't think anybody will will really do what what Bill Snyder's done. No. Okay, next question. Um, let's see. On a positive note. Um, am I saying to not be discouraged by this atrocious basketball season? <laughs> this guy's not discouraged. That is, comes from Justin Phillips. Am I sane? Is that what he said? Yeah. he th- He's not discouraged. I think he's leaning on the fact that they kicked a bunch of guys off. He's got the recruiting class, kind of what we mentioned earlier. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about it. That leads me to Trey's question. After two tough years, do you think Mike Holder has the same confidence the OSU faithful have in Boynton to get this program turned around? Yeah, because Mike Boynton, one, sees the bigger picture, and two, values recruiting. Which Holder loves, as we've heard firsthand. Well, that's what I'm podcast. saying. Holder Holder values those two things. Right. So I don't think Mike Holder's less confident in Mike Boynton. In fact, he might be more emboldened by the fact that he booted off guys who weren't doing the right thing. If there's one thing we know about Mike Holder, yeah, he, he can't stand people that do the wrong thing. Yeah, he loves that stuff. I mean, that's that's. Now, can you do that for seven years? <laughs> no, of course not. At some not. point, you got to win basketball games. But no, I, I don't think that he's. I don't think he's necessarily discouraged by what's transpired over the last or over the first two years of Boynton's career. Do you think it's? And this is something. This is a question I've run into. People think that we're like. People think that we rip Gundy and that we stand up for Boynton. And I do think that there's, which is it's partially true, um, and, and, and a fair question at least to ask, do you, like, do you see where people that say that are coming from? Yeah, I do. But I and, think do you th- and do you think it's unfair? Oh, unfair question or unfair of us? Uh, unfair of us. Yeah, I mean, I th- I do think there is a sliding scale here. Like, when you take a step back and look at the f- football program that, that Mike Gundy's built in Stillwater, the one that we saw when we were in college, it's remarkable. And to look at what Boynton's done in just a year and a half, two years, it's not even comparable. Um, do we ride for Boynton's recruiting over Mike Gundy's results sometimes. Yeah, I, I do think that's a fair criticism. But I, I, to me, I think that's a testament to what Mike Gundy's done and the consistency that he's built. I think we I think we expect more out of Mike with the success that he's had. And I think that's a good thing. I think we all can admit now that OSU now is a football school. And I think with that being said, I think people demand more of a football program when it's a football school. So I, I think the criticism of us is is, is totally valid. I, I do think we sometimes harp on Gundy a little too much. Would you say Boynton? Would you say Boynton's record is right now? I think it's thirty and thirty. So Gundy through his first two seasons was eleven and thirteen. There you go. Now I think different situations, different <laughs> sports. Yeah, and but I think I think this 
I think what happens in football is it gets a little skewed um, by the fact that you go you go to a bowl game and you're like, oh, went to a bowl game. I mean, it sounds great, right? Like the the 13 years in a row or whatever. And and I think it is great. Like I I'm a proponent of that, but it's it's much more difficult to get into the NCAA tournament. Like I I think sometimes we equate bowl game with NCAA basketball tournament and they're they're not the same. No, like to to miss a bowl game you have to be you have to have a losing record essentially. Right. So that would be the equivalent of OSU having a losing record in, in basketball if you missed a bowl game. Yeah. They're now flashing the recruiting class for next year. I know, screen, I just saw that. <laughs> which tells you how poorly this game is going. They're down by 34 with nine minutes left. Yeah, it's... But it's, I'm, uh, I'm pumped about Marcus Watson, Avery Anderson. Those guys better be good because they're going to be playing a lot next year. Yeah, they are. I got an email from somebody today, by the way. He's talking about... He, he was trying to measure Oklahoma State football by like looking at teams and their worst season over the last decade. So Oklahoma State's worst season was a seven-win season in the last ten years in football. Wow, I thought you were going to say basketball, and I believed you. <laughs> Travis so, Ford era. So teams that have been have had worse season, worse, uh, worst seasons than that. Clemson won six games. Oh, wow. Georgia won six games. Ohio State won six games. Uh, Miami, Virginia Tech, Washington, Utah, Michigan, Texas, USC, Florida State, TCU, West Virginia, Oregon, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Florida, Nebraska, Auburn, Michigan State, UCLA, Louisville, Colorado, <laughs> all had worse worst seasons over the last 10 years than Oklahoma State has. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. There's so many different ways to measure success and consistency in college football, and I think this is a really interesting one. By the way, Yorne just fouled out no points – Five rebounds, 0 for 3 from the field. But I I thought that was a really interesting email, and uh, I don't know, kind of a cool deal for for Mike Gundy. That's probably the first thing he slides across the desk to Mike Holder when he discusses extensions. Look at all all these programs that are (laughs) below me, done worse than me. No, I mean, Mike Gundy's done a great job, and I think we do at times harp on his recruiting a little too much. I think that's a very valid Mm -hmm. criticism of us. Because I think, and it, to me, it it all it always comes back to for me, and I think you as well. We would like to see Mike and OSU capitalize on the success that he's had. And we, to, we think he can do better, which is I think which, which I think is the only thing Mike Holder was ever trying to say. Yeah, it was. It turned into this. Oh, Mike Holder doesn't like Mike Gunny's recruiting. No, he just wants to see him capitalize on the success he's already had. Well, and and not only that, but uh, this is something that. Oh, who was talking about this? It might have been Ian Boyd of, of SB Nation who does a really good job covering um, like kind of X's and O's type stuff. But just talking about like what could – if Mike Gundy's doing this with three stars, what would he do with four and five stars? Yeah, because right? like, he's a great coach. He's a great schemer. There's and, unbelievable <laughs> schemes on offense. You can argue the other side of it and say like they, they're only this good because they get three stars that buy in and, and whatever. Cowboy um, culture. Yeah, the, yeah whatever. But I do think the idea of plugging in better players to, Oh my gosh. <laughs> 68 to 32. Tech just completed an insane. This is, this is uh dizzy to the rescue. No, this is going to be the worst loss in Oklahoma state basketball history. Yeah. In Gallagher. It's going to be tough to tough to paint this picture of positivity afterwards. I got to write the instant recap on this. You do. What should I write? Should I just post this podcast as the instant recap? <laughs> I think you should. Um, 
so yeah, I, I think that it's almost it's almost a compliment to Gundy that people are saying that. Like yeah. you you've done so well with this. What could you do with this? Well, and I, I will say that in the midst of his recruiting classes being what they are, he's found difference makers. You know, a four star Des Bryant. Um Justin Blackman, who was a three-star, high-level three-star, turning into a, a five-star. So his evaluation, obviously, is is up there. And, and he gets – and Tylen Wallace, most recent example. I mean, that's a Tylen, legit four-star. Yeah, yeah. So – Shout get, out to Casey you, Dunn. The more of those guys you get, then you're really on to something. Then you can go win the Big 12. But you look at what OU's doing right now and what Texas is doing right now, that's why you and I bring it up. They're only going to fall further behind now that Texas has their act to, together. They're, they're, they had a top three recruiting class. Every time I think about, every time somebody brings up Texas, I think about Sam Ellinger after the Sugar Bowl. We're back. That was pretty great. It was. You didn't like it, it but was, I thought it was pretty great. Yeah, it was. A, it was a great villain moment. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. Like that's what I want out of a Texas quarterback. I want him to think that they're back. Yeah, we'll see. What do you think about Kyler going uh, playing football? I thought it was like the easy decision. Yeah. I mean, I think during the season, I think we all thought, well, he signed for four and a half million dollars. You got to go play baseball. Well, then you realize you take a step back that you can make like nine million up front and be in the majors, not to ride a bus to Pawtucket. You know, to me, that it was a no brainer. But um, the rest of the questions are just destroying OSU basketball. So fun. That's good. Uh, Oklahoma State shooting 29% from the field. 11 for 38. Is that bad? Not good. And they are, oh, or excuse me, they're two for 16 from three. It's 68 to 32. Yeah. Dizzy's 0 for 8, 0 for 6 from three. Uh, if you take away Cam, they are 6 for 28 from the field. They've made six buckets. Take away six field goals. If you goals? take away non Cam bucket, okay. non Cam McGriff buckets. Okay. Um, it looks like a 6A high school playing a 2A high school. Playing Hennessy. Yeah. looks like Hennessy going up against Tulsa Union. <laughs> Not good. Not great. Okay. Do we have anything else to chat about? No. I mean, uh, it was good to come down and visit. I'm glad we could do a live pod. Uh, we didn't have to go to the shed. The shed might blow down tonight with that wind. Is uh, that sturdy? You built it. It's not. It's not sturdy. It's like the three little piggies that the the wolf blow the house down. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe in it. Okay. I'm. I'm. I get concerned if it, if the wind gets over like 20 miles an hour. I just. Uh, I put one. I stick one of my kids at the back window and say, <laughs> "Hey, watch this for a while. If it if it starts shaking, let me know so yeah. we can call somebody. I don't know what I'm actually gonna do well, about I it. I expect to see a pile of rubble in the backyard tomorrow. <laughs> it's, it's so windy out. <laughs> Yeah, it's not but, great. Uh, I guess my last thought would be this is the worst OSU basketball season I've seen yet, and I've been watching for two decades, if not more. Uh, I didn't think it'd get worse than the Travis Ford era. Uh, to me, that was painful, and I knew it was obvious after like a year that that era needed to end. Uh, what I'm witnessing now, and again, it's understandable. You had to kick a lot of kids off. But it's just sad. And now they just showed Eddie Sutton on the sideline. He looks sad. I, I'm sad. OSU basketball is in a, in a bad shape right now. That sums it up pretty well. Is that his, uh, that's his grandson, huh? 
next to him. Is it really? I think so. Did we get old? He looked like he was 30 years old. We're old. We're definitely old. Was We're, that like Sean's kid? Uh, I, I don't know. There's a, there's Sean or Scott's, I guess. Yeah, there's, Scott's. there's a bunch of them, but, um, the Eddie, the Eddie days are long gone. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Well, let's see if they can narrowly avoid the worst home loss in school history. Okay, we're rooting. We're rooting for them to get to forty points. Um, Carson, this was fun. I'm glad you came down. Yeah, thanks for having me. Golf was great. I had some good food tonight. Uh, enjoyed getting to hang with the kids, and uh, we will talk soon. All right, sounds good. Okay, see you.